Hello, everyone. It's Joanna, and welcome to Sam Magazine. people, 53 days. 53 days until the launch of Spy Girls. Oh my gosh, it's happening. It's happening. I, uh, I am, can you tell I'm excited? Very excited. And um, I've only had one cup of coffee today. Anyways, let's get on with today's podcast. First, thank you, Ontario. Thank you, British Columbia for tuning in. Oh, you light up that map of Canada, and I really appreciate it. Now let's talk about the United States. So thankful, you guys. Um, California, Virginia, South Carolina, Connecticut, Maryland, North Carolina, Ohio, Tennessee, Texas. Thank you for tuning in. I'm, you know... (laughs) I'm just an average Canadian author, and I really love promoting authors. I think we need to promote our authors more. So I'm, yeah, I'm sure I sound a little different, but I just really appreciate you guys tuning in, and I hope I'm somewhat entertaining. So let's get on to today's podcast. I am fortunate that... I get to be on a panel with today's author. So if you're free, January 30th, 10 a.m., you could email me at joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, at J-C, V as in Victor, artstudio.net, and I could send you the... um, the Zoom link. Um, There's going to be a a virtual launch for today's author. And I get to be one of the special guests, which I think is really sweet. And uh, it'll be me and Hyacinth M. Miller. She's another special guest. And I'm just so thankful that Ardell wanted to include me. So we're going to get on to talk about Ardell now. Ardell Holden. She's another Vancouver Island resident like me. Okay, Vancouver Island is her home. Uh, She enjoys glorious sunsets over Quinnell Lake and Mount Benson. I know where Mount Benson is because I went to Nanaimo District Secondary High School. Now, Ardell says, My plastic plants and polyester pets have allowed my husband, Pat, and I to winter in Mexico since 2006. Ardell says the views of Mount Garcia over Lake Chapala, I'm sorry, Mexico, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, 
provide another quiet scene conducive to writing as well as other artistic pursuits. And all this tranquility, Ardell says, I bet you are wondering where all the murder and mayhem comes from that finds its way onto the pages of my novels. It's in those tranquil moments when one's imagination is freed. I will have Ardell's, um, I just about said Facebook, website noted in the show notes because she has quite the website showing her family's history and it is just really cool to see. Now I'm going to start chapter one of Ardell Holden's latest novel. It's coming out January 30th, next Tuesday, Killing Imaginary Friends. Chapter one. What a crappy birthday. Ollie's eyes burned with tears. He stumbled up the stairs, back to bed, his pajama sleeve wet and cold against his nose. Even with the storm outside and his door closed, their angry voices pierced his ears. His Iron Man pillow wrapped tight around his ears wasn't much help either, but it smothered his sobs. Deep under the covers, he hunched his shoulders as high and hard as they would go. His breath struggled past the lump in his throat. A door slammed. Mom's really mad at him now. He had woken Ollie out of a sound sleep with his bellowing, Ollie, hey, Ollie, wake up. Come on down and blow out your candles again. Groggy. Ollie had rubbed his eyes and shuffled downstairs, the floor cold on his bare feet. He pretended not to notice that his dad's breath stank like beer when he hugged him, but he couldn't help pulling away. The stubby candles looked stupid in the lopsided leftover cake. When Ollie blew, a little spit came out. Even though his mom shook her head and mouthed, it's okay. His cheeks felt hot. His dad hadn't even noticed. But then, he never noticed, even when Ollie did things right. Sorry I'm late, Ollie. Eight years old, hey? Wow. You're getting to be a big boy. He slapped Ollie's shoulder awkwardly and flopped onto the sofa. What'd you get for your birthday? Ollie looked at his mother. She had said the Lego was from her and him. She mouthed, I'm sorry, but it didn't matter. He didn't even say goodnight when she sent him back to bed. He squeezed the pillow tighter around his ears. It's okay, Mom. Just stop fighting. But he couldn't hear his thoughts. The sound of his own breathing muffled their voices a little. How could you do this to Ollie? You knew it was his birthday. This is the last straw, Curtis. For Christ's sakes, Lauren, it's Friday night. We just went for a few drinks after work and I lost track of time. Couldn't you have made an exception tonight? And who is we? His father's boozy voice thundered through the pillow. Just someone from work. Get a grip, Lauren. He'll get over it. But why tonight, of all nights? 
And since when does happy hour last four hours? If I didn't know better, I'd think it was a woman. Dead silence. Ollie uncovered his head, sat up, and leaned toward the door. His father mumbled something. I knew it. How long has this been going on? Don't tell me. Since June, when you went to Vancouver? Alone, right? More mumbling. Ollie could tell his mother was crying. He didn't want to hear more. But when her voice grew quiet, he crept out of bed and listened at the crack in the door. You can't hurt me any more than you already have, Curtis. But this is the last time you'll disappoint Ollie. We're out of here. What? Ollie jumped back into bed and pulled the covers over his head. The sound of stomping on the stairs competed with his halting breath, his heartbeat, and the rain against the window. It was hard not to snuffle. He peeked out and saw his mother's thin frame silhouetted in the doorway. Mom? Yes, Ollie, get dressed. Her voice was restrained. In the dim light, she placed his brand new box of Lego at the bottom of his backpack and opened his dresser drawer. We'll just take a few clothes. He stared at her, hardly blinking, as he pulled his pajama top over his head. He fumbled with the zipper on his jeans. Branches scratched against the window like angry fingernails. He dashed to smack the light switch on. The room flooded with light, but his heart still raced. Even squinting against the harsh light, he could see his mother had been crying. His eyes darted between his mother's stoic expression and the battered window. The storm is really bad, Mom. Where are we going? We're going to visit Aunt Lila. She rammed pajamas, some t-shirts, jeans, and underwear into his backpack. His eyes grew wide at the sight of her neat folding undone so carelessly. She helped him wrestle his backpack over his jacket without a word and led him down the hall to their bedroom. When she pulled her suitcase off the top shelf of the closet, she swung it onto her bed with the fury of a hammer thrower. Ollie backed away. She was really, really mad this time. Without a word, he watched her ram a jumble of clothes into the suitcase. Skinny jeans and t-shirts, mostly, and some panties. A breeze blew back his hair when she swept past him into her bathroom. Bottles and jars clanked into her purse from the counter. When she held up a new toothbrush for him, she forced a smile. He could tell. Turn around and I'll tuck it in your backpack. With her collar pulled over her long black curls, she kinched her coat belt around her tiny waist and frowned at her runners. Ready, dear? Let's brave the storm. As if on cue, thunder rolled. Ollie followed her suitcase as it bumped down the stairs. His mom didn't even spare a sideways glance at his dad, passed out on the sofa. But Ollie couldn't help it. His dad's dark hair was all messed up, his tie undone, his shirt untucked. Sorry, Dad. But there was no reply, just a snort from his open mouth.
The rain hit Ollie's face like a blasting cold shower. He dashed to the car and jumped into the back seat. Shivering with his fist jammed into his jacket pockets, he bit his bottom lip and stared into the rearview mirror. The street lights lit up his mother's face as they passed. Wet hair hung across her cheek, but it didn't hide her tears. When they came to Goldstream Park, she leaned into the wheel, her eyes riveted on the darkness ahead. The windshield wipers slapped against the pounding rain and squeaked like a trapped animal. How could she see? They drove in silence up to the summit. The trees on the mountainside swayed, their branches flapped at him like the wings of massive eagles. He peered through the swirling rain into the darkness on the other side of the highway where the ocean waited for drunk drivers and people who drove in storms when they should have stayed home. Sweat trickled down his neck like a cold worm. He could only whisper, How much farther to Auntie Lila's? Not long now. We're almost over the Malahat. But, oh God. The car slowed. Ollie craned his neck to see ahead. Flashing lights lit up the rain-streaked windows and stabbed the blackness of the night. What is it, Mom? Why are we stopping? It's an accident. Keep your head down, dear. But he couldn't help it. He wiped his breath off the window and pressed his nose against the cold glass. His head jerked back when the wind threw a bucket of rain at his face. He swallowed hard. His heart pounded in his ears. Flashes of color streaked across the wet road. Red-blue. Red-blue. Then, against the cruiser lights, a yellow raincoat directed them, its flashlight casting brilliant arcs in the sky. They crept past a crumpled car lying upside down on the shoulder. Shattered glass was everywhere. Ollie couldn't blink, and he didn't dare breathe, or he would fog up the window again. A little boy, in his PJs, lying on the road with a teddy bear. The rain beating his face didn't even make him blink. Their car crept on. Wait, no. Ollie spread his hands on the window, almost pushing his forehead through the glass, but the little boy's eyes disappeared under a ghostly white sheet behind other yellow raincoats. Ollie slumped forward in his seat as the tightness in his chest crept up his neck. He closed his eyes and pressed his fists against his ears. Could be me. The little boy, his eyes, his teddy bear, his cold and wet body. Ollie could see it all as if it were burned with a laser inside his eyelids. His mum drove slowly away, deserting the boy. Ollie twisted in his seat to look out the back window, but there was nothing but the flashing lights. Nothing he could do. He fought the tears that had so many excuses to spill tonight. Oliver, get your face away from that window. I'm not looking anymore. He pulled his head inside his steamy jacket. 
It was just a little lie. She was sad enough. He squeezed his eyes shut again, but in his mind, the little boy was still staring. If only I could be his friend, help him somehow. Poor little kid, all alone out there. I'll bet he's dead. A small voice whispered, probably. I still have my teddy. He's all wet and yucky, just like me. But I can be your friend too. Ollie's head popped out of his jacket like a turtle's, his gaze frozen on the little boy sitting beside him, shrugging his shoulders and hugging his soggy teddy bear. Ollie blinked and blinked again. How? How did you get here? As soon as the words were out, he slapped his hand over his mouth. His eyes darted to the rearview mirror. Panic squeezed his throat. But his mom just leaned over the wheel and peered into the darkness beyond the headlights. What did you say, Ollie? Nothing. Just wondering who that was in that accident. Again, the little boy just shrugged. That was no help. Did you see someone back there? Ollie's heart just about jumped out of his chest when his mother looked at him in the mirror, but she didn't see the little kid sitting right beside him. No one, just uh, a teddy bear on the road. He cringed. I shouldn't have said that. He opened one eye to check the boy. Still there. Oh, Ollie, you weren't supposed to look. It might give you nightmares. No, duh. Ollie yanked his eyes away from the kid when his mom glanced at him again. Like a thug in a back alley, Ollie whispered out of the side of his mouth, his eyes darting from the mirror to the kid. Are you okay? The boy looked down at his pajamas and shrugged. I guess so. His voice seemed loud in Ollie's head, but his mom didn't seem to hear it. Again, Ollie checked the mirror. Nope. She can't see him, and she can't hear him. Maybe? Ollie zipped up his mouth with his fingers, and the boy did the same. When his mom pulled into Aunt Lila's driveway, Ollie rolled his eyes and exhaled until he figured he was empty. His aunt stood in the doorway, black against the light, hugging herself. His mother dropped her head against the wheel when she turned off the engine. Ollie flinched and grabbed her shoulder. Are you all right, Mom? Yes, dear. I'm just tired and glad we made it safely. Ollie's stomach did a little flip. Arriving safely was not his biggest problem. The kids still sat beside him and still stared at him. Maybe he would stay in the car or disappear. Ollie closed his eyes and wished him away. He opened them and poof, the kid was gone. But Ollie's sigh of relief choked off. There was the kid, sneaking around Aunt Lila's legs into the house. Ollie blinked the rain from his eyes as they darted from his mom to Aunt Lila. For a second, he held his breath. Couldn't they see him? They just kept talking about the rain. Ollie buzzed his lips as he exhaled. Guess not. He rolled his eyes, grabbed his backpack, and jumped out into the rain. 
His mum slammed the door behind him and guided him up the darkened walk. The water pouring off the roof would have drowned out her voice if she hadn't yelled close to his ear, Let's get you out of the rain! Inside the familiar foyer, Ollie stomped on the mat while his aunt peeled off his steamy jacket. The smell of his warm sweat wafted up between them. He wrinkled his nose and checked her face. But she was cool, never even mentioned it. She shook the wet off his coat and hung it on a hook behind the door. What a night to have to drive the Malahat. I figured you'd be late. You must be tired. Ollie shivered. You should have seen the big accident on the road. There was a car upside down, and I saw a... a teddy bear on the road. The boy sat at the bottom of the staircase, hugging his soggy bear and nodding. Aunt Lila gasped, and his mother shook her head. I'll tell you about it later. Right now, I just need to bring in my bag. She dropped her purse, pulled her hood up and around her chin, and ducked back into the rain. His aunt's expression turned from shock to a smile as she gave his hand a warm squeeze. Come on, I've got your room all fixed up for you. I'll bring you some hot chocolate. A quick glance at Aunt Lila told him she didn't see the boy sitting right there in front of her. They squeezed side by side on the stairs. Ollie carried his backpack in front of him. His mum was right. Her big sister was definitely big-boned. Ollie almost said, get out of the way, but the little boy was already dragging his teddy bear up the last few steps. Disaster averted. Aunt Lila ushered Ollie into the spare bedroom he and his mom used to share when they visited before Uncle Arthur died. His dad never stayed overnight. Now Brad's old Star Wars curtains hung on the window. His old toys sat on the shelves, and a scruffy-looking bear, much like the boys, leaned against the pillow. An uneasy feeling crept over him. Brad, such a big shot, just because he's 18. When a door down the hall opened, Ollie jumped, but Brad just rubbed his eyes and shuffled to the bathroom without a glance into the room. Good. The less Brad noticed him, the better. Ollie wasn't going to mention, ever, that Brad still had all this kid stuff. Well, here we are. This will be your room. I've brought down some of Brad's things from when he was your age. You can replace them with yours when they come. Ollie swallowed the dread that clogged his throat. I don't think we'll be staying that long, Aunt Lila. I've just got my overnight stuff in my backpack. Aunt Lila raised her eyebrows and flicked her raven curls over her shoulder just as his mom entered the room. Lauren? He doesn't know. His mom shook her head and waved Aunt Lila off. What don't I know, Mom? Her last words to his dad echoed in his brain. We're out of here. She shook her head and pushed the wet hair off his forehead. It's late, dear. Get into your pajamas, brush your teeth, and dry your hair. I'll look in before I go to bed. She hugged him. Leave your wet things in the bathroom. 
She kissed his cheek and followed her sister out the door. Wait, Mom! Ollie rushed to her and wrapped his arm around her waist. Where are you going to sleep? Her heart beat softly in his ear. She stroked his wet hair. I'm going to sleep in Aunt Lila's room. Will you be okay in here alone? I guess, but it wasn't okay. She hugged him and stroked his back the way she always did when Dad broke a promise. He tried to smile for her. The boy suddenly dodged around him into the room, startling Ollie. His mom lifted his face up by the chin. You shivered. You'd better get out of those wet clothes. I'll be okay, Mom. Good night. He broke away from her and plunked his backpack on the bed. The door closed with a quiet click, leaving him alone, except for... He glanced at the kid. Ollie's chest felt tight. He slumped down on the bed next to his backpack. It was hard to ignore this grungy little guy leaning on the bed with his chin in his hands and staring at him like a puppy dog. Ollie yawned and dumped out his backpack. The Lego box was now on top of the heap. Do you want to play with my new Legos? Ollie emptied the box on the carpet. The boy smiled from ear to ear and plopped down beside them. Soon he was fishing around in the pile for the little people. Ollie smiled. Those were his favorite pieces, too. What's your name, anyway? The boy shrugged. I don't know. Who are you? Oliver, but you can call me Ollie. He perched on the end of the bed, watching, just in case anyone was listening in the hall. He thought, I think I'll call you PJ. Would you like that? The boy didn't seem to hear him. I said, I think I'll call you PJ. Would you like that? The boy smiled up at him and nodded. He held up a whole little Lego person for Ollie's approval. This looks like my mommy. Is she still in the car with Daddy? Ollie looked away. He had known PJ would ask this question, and he didn't have an answer. Maybe? I don't know, PJ. Ollie pointed at him with both hands like six guns. Hey, do you know how old you are? PJ held up three and then four fingers. Three or four? I don't know. Boy, you sure don't know much. PJ went back to playing. He seemed to have lost interest in finding his mom and dad. He popped another head on a body without looking up. Relieved, Ollie rolled his eyes. Whatever. He'd better look out for PJ, keep the kid from getting scared. His mom and dad aren't just mad for a few days. They're probably dead. Ollie scooped his clothes off the bed and, except for his pajamas, dumped them in an empty drawer. He yawned. Must be after midnight. For the third time that night, he was going to bed. Now it wasn't even his own bed. Even worse, it looked like Brad's. As he undressed, he glanced at PJ playing quietly with the Lego. He headed for the bathroom. He scowled at himself in the mirror. It seemed like days, not hours, 
since he'd said goodbye to his friends after the party. He stifled the panicky voice in his head that wondered when he would see them again. But now he had a new friend, even if he was only imaginary. Ollie fought back tears as he struggled to get the new toothbrush out of the package. Even the toothpaste wouldn't cooperate. He squeezed out way too much and groaned when it fell off into the sink. It was hard to brush his teeth with his face all puckered up. What else can go wrong today? PJ suddenly appeared, sitting on the edge of the tub. Whoa! Ollie almost choked. PJ just stared. You still can't hear me unless I talk out loud. Ollie sputtered through the toothpaste, rinsed and spat. Don't sneak up on me like that. PJ looked up at him like a little brother would. If he were PJ's big brother, he would never be mean like Brad. But he had to be firm. And don't use my toothbrush. That was only fair. PJ nodded and hugged his bear. That's okay. I probably already brushed because I'm in my jammies. Yeah, I guess so. Ollie cocked his head to one side with his hands on his hips. In my head, you talk like my friend Jeff's little brother. I guess that's okay, since I don't know what you really talk like. I wonder what Jeff would think if he knew about you. Ollie shut off the light and headed back to his bedroom. Come on. PJ trundled behind him as if he were on a leash and struggled to climb onto the bed. You can't sleep under the covers. You're all wet and dirty. Better get off. PJ scampered onto the floor. Ollie ran his hand over Brad's Star Wars blanket, but it wasn't wet or dirty or even wrinkled. He shrugged. Well, I guess it's okay. It doesn't rub off. He turned back the covers and PJ climbed in, warming Ollie with a big brother kind of feeling. Jarring him back into reality, his mother rapped on the door and came in. Who are you talking to, Ollie? Ollie grabbed Brad's old bear and jammed it under the covers beside PJ. Ah, just this little bear. He's probably been in a box for years. He rolled his eyes under his eyelids. Quick thinking, genius. She sat beside him and tucked him in. You are such a considerate boy, Ollie. Everybody needs a friend like you. She bent over and kissed him on the forehead. Good night, dear. Good night, Mom. But before she closed the door, he had to ask, Why does Aunt Lila think I'm bringing all my stuff up here? She sighed and placed her praying hands against her lips. We're going to be staying here for a while. It's very late, Ollie, so you get some sleep, and we'll talk about it in the morning, okay? I love you. She closed the door softly behind her. Ollie yawned and snuggled down beside his new imaginary friend. Mom doesn't seem so upset now. What do you think? PJ shrugged. Maybe this isn't so bad. Exactly what I was thinking. I wonder how long a while is. Oh my gosh. Ardell, Ardell, Ardell. When I first read this opening chapter, she had me hooked. And I knew she had me hooked 
because as I'm reading, my face is getting closer and closer to the screen. Ah, Ardell, awesome, awesome. Ah, I feel for, I feel for little Ollie. How about you guys? Does everyone else feel for little Ollie? Like what is going to go on here? So this book, Killing Imaginary Friends, is out Tuesday, January 30th. And I have to share that scene where the mom's driving. Uh, For listeners who don't know Vancouver Island, the Malahat is real. And I have, I drive that Malahat uh, quite a few times. And let's just say when it starts to rain, you don't want to be on it. It is basically a mountain highway. And people go stupid speeds. Okay. Like just, they, they drive at stupid speeds and it's not a bad drive. If you hit it at a certain time, you know, for the times when I've gone down, I'll, I know, I kind of know when there's like a lull in the traffic. So if people aren't driving ridiculous speeds and you hit it at a certain time, it's not a bad drive. But if there's snow, If there is rain, and with the rain we've been having, it's treacherous. It's a treacherous mountain highway. And I have done exactly what Ollie's mom has done, where you're sitting there and you're leaning forward because you're just trying to see. So Ardell, great job. I hope everyone enjoyed this excerpt from her book, Killing Imaginary Friends. Ardell's website is... Ardellholden.com. And I'm going to spell that. A-R-D as in delicious. <laughs> E-L-L-E-H-O-L-D as in delicious. E-N dot com. Ardellholden.com. And like I said, you know I will have her website in the show notes. All right, people. Take it easy. Be safe drive safe, stay healthy, and I'll connect with you next week. Okay, bye-bye.